When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of All the Books is brought to you by Book Riot Insiders. It's Booktopia and you are invited. You can wishlist upcoming releases you're dying to read, get exclusive podcasts and newsletters, enter to win swag, and epic level spots open up monthly, which gives you access to a members-only Slack. Novel level subscribers get the first crack at those, so if you're thinking about joining, you can always join at one level and hope that the epic level opens up. The new release index is curated by our very own Liberty Hardy, and it helps you keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. Book Riot Insiders is Booktopia, and you're invited. So go to bookriot.com insiders to find out more or click the link in our show notes. You're listening to All the Books a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 149, and today we are talking about books being released on March 13th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well-redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi there. We're like, I know people don't want to hear about the weather in the opening segment of a podcast, but we were both just talking about how it's snowing for both of us, and it's very strange. Like, all of my daffodils are up, and it's snowing, and I just feel a little bit out of sorts today. Yeah. We got, we had four bluebirds, like, sitting on the fence outside our house this morning, and I was like, you birds don't even know. Yeah, there it's were blackbirds just like having a party in my front yard this morning. They were making so much noise and it was like, yay, spring. And I was like, oh, fellas, it's, yeah. you're about to get real cold. It's the worst when they make blender drinks because it's like, come on, I'm trying to <laughs> sleep. They're so loud, those birds. <laughs> they are. But, you know, nature, I like it. It's mostly fine. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's been a million years since we did this, but I guess it's just been a couple of weeks. I miss you. I know. I miss you, too. And next week is episode 150, but I will be rotated off. So I guess for episode 151, if people have like things we should do to celebrate our 150th episode, um, let us know. You can email us at allthebooks at bookriot.com. Or if you have burning questions that we haven't answered before, I guess we could answer some of those. Or we could just wait. Like it's our three-year anniversary in May. <gasps> yes. Let's just celebrate our anniversary instead. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fine. If if Jen even brings it up next week, I'm going to be like, sorry, I'm waiting for Rebecca to talk about exciting <laughs> well, milestones. You, you know, Jen is ordained, and so we could just, like, make it official and have Jen <gasps> perform our ceremony. She is? I don't think uh-huh. I knew that. Wow. Yeah, Jen and I are both ordained by the internet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You are, too? I yeah. Would, I would be texting you being like... Could you marry me to this ice cream? Could you marry me to <laughs> well, this drink? <laughs> I don't have the power to marry you to things, you know, beyond what's legal. But I did perform some friends' oh, okay. wedding a few years ago. But just, like, going through the motions would be fine. Sure, I we could do it. It's like that um, the episode of Parks and Rec where yeah. Leslie marries the two, is it penguins at the yeah. zoo? Yeah. That's fine. I'm kind of like a penguin. <laughs> sure. I'm low to the ground and I waddle around. So, <laughs> I mean, it's the same. 
Um, we could just hold flippers and, and you yeah. know, go swimming. It would be fine. I know I told you this before the show, but I'm totally serious. I have slept two hours in the last two days. And so, like, zero hours last night and two hours the night before. And I just ate a pint of ice cream. So, who knows what's going to happen right now? I, it's always a surprise here on all the books. On helmet. <laughs> <laughs> One thing is for sure, though, we're going to talk about books. Yes, let's do that. Okay. Before we get started, I just want to let people know that there is trigger warnings for discussion of suicide uh, in the third title, so you might want to skip over that. And here we go. Uh, I mentioned this book... Uh, I can't remember if it was, like, in the upcoming previews or if it was, like, I'm reading this now. It's so good. It's called Not My White Savior, a memoir in poems by Julaine Lee. Uh, This is exactly as advertised. It is her memoir, but it's written in these amazingly powerful poems. Uh, She was born in South Korea, and she was adopted as an infant by a very wealthy conservative Republican family in Minnesota. And as she grew up there... Um, Being the only Asian child, you know, in her community, uh, you know, people were constantly pointing that out to her. And also her parents were always telling her and her family and other people, too, were always telling her, like, how lucky she was to have been adopted. Like, how lucky she was and she had it so good and, like, her life was so much better because of, you know, being adopted and taken from her home country. And, you know, and and it was just this thing that was drilled into her all the time. And she kind of explores the meaning of what does it mean that that she has a better life? Like, what does that mean? Like, what would it be like if she hadn't been adopted? You know, like, how do they know? You know, like, it's it's a ter- it's kind of like a horrible thing to say to anybody, especially, you know, children. Um, and, and she's very, like, you can feel it. She's very angry about this. She has a lot of emotion about this, as she should. Um, but she explores it beautifully and discusses it. It's, it's not something that I had, you know, considered before, thought about, or really read anything about before. So, um, I was very moved and it's just, it's very powerful. Uh, and, uh, her poetry is beautiful. Um, and so it's just an incredible memoir. And, like, I'm trying not to say everything about it because it's, it's very small because it's in poems, but... It's just, it's fantastic and, and definitely worth checking out. Um, so, again, it's called Not My White Savior, a memoir in poems by Julaine Lee. And before I let you say your next book, I mm-hmm. let, like I let you. Like, I'm, you have my permission, Rebecca. Um, I just want to point Rover, out... Red <laughs> Simon says something. I'm, yeah. man, I'm off the rails already. Um, this, not related in subject, but by publisher, uh... This one, I absolutely loved this book, but it was a little too, like, liberty-ish for maybe mm. to discuss on the podcast. But they have this, but Rare Bird Books, who is publishing Not My White Savior, there, there's a biography also out today called Rock Monster. Um, it's by Joe Walsh's girlfriend who lived with him in the 80s, Joe Walsh of the Eagles, like, during his, like, crazy how did this man survive all these chemicals years. <laughs> um, and it's fantastic. Like, Julia at Rare Bird Books, she knows, like, like what I want to read, and it was great, but... I just wanted to mention it because it's awesome, and if you like rock biographies and stuff like that, it's cool. Awesome. Uh, my first pick this week is also, well, it's like memoir meets sort of narrative nonfiction. It's called Well Mania, Extreme Misadventures in the Search for Wellness by Bridget Delaney. <laughs> the jacket copy calls this Bridget Jones meets A.J. Jacobs. Um, I think it's more like Mary Roach meets A.J. Jacobs meets 
Elizabeth, like with a touch of Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, the it's a it's a memoir divided into three sections. Bridget Delaney is a longtime journalist, and she's been on the like wellness and lifestyle beat, where she would get assigned to do all kinds of things and like go on retreats and try cleanses and eat special diets and go to spas. Which like that sounds like an excellent occupational hazard. Like how many massages can you get in one week? Um, but the book is a, an investigation into sort of the contemporary obsession with wellness and some of the the three big three of the big tent poles for it, I guess. Um, so it's divided into three sections, like Eat, Pray, Love, but it's clean, lean, and serene. And the clean section is what in which she goes through a 101-day cleanse that includes 14 days of not eating any solid food at all um, and like getting massages from a special healer and following the, these this like incredibly strict regimen. She basically can't do anything else for those 14 days because she has like no energy to go on. She's drinking like tea made from special herbs that are also supposed to help her body flush things out. And she dives into not just what is the experience like, and there is so much body stuff in this lib that I thought of you like, man, Liberty Hardy should never read the first section of this mm. book where she's describing like what her sweat smells like no. when she yep I'm sorry um while she's cleansing or detoxing or whatever but also dives into the science of like actually is there anything to this notion of detox like because our organs are made to detoxify our bodies already and can you actually boost how well they do that or not um will you feel better like she loses a bunch of weight but is it worth it does she feel better? Can you get long-term results from these kinds of things? Or is it all like snake oil? Um, so that's really fascinating. The lean section um, is about yoga, which of course I thought was super interesting. And she talks about a variety of different styles of yoga that she tries out, um, sort of different schools of thought and philosophy about what the yoga practice is, and then comes around to a question that um, I think is especially pressing today. Like she's very thoughtful about this. It's not this is not just A.J. Jacobs' stunt memoir. Like, there really is a touch of Mary Roach and some Elizabeth Gilbert reflection um, to this because she gets into, like, what is the practice of yoga supposed to be? Um, how is it supposed to be a spiritual practice that's not just about moving your body into physical shapes? And how has it become a way that people escape from the world rather than engage with it? Um, she sees, as I do, sort of built into yoga an inherent call to be engaged with the world, an inherent call to look at social justice issues. And so it was really interesting to read a journalist sort of go through that and highlight some strengths and some real obvious weaknesses of modern yoga. Um, and then the final section is serene, and it's about meditation and different things that she tries to learn to meditate, different retreats that she goes on, how scared she is when she goes, you know, for like a five-day silent retreat, something like that. Um, and then she also reflects through, like, it's not just, you know, that she does these things for a year, but she's been attempting different kinds of meditation for like 10 years at this point, some of them for work and some of them for her own personal edification. And so you get sort of like the story of her life and her struggles with being healthy and having balance in her life between, you know, enjoying things like food, but also wanting to eat healthfully, that sort of thing. Um, I thought it was really thoughtful. It was much more thoughtful and interesting than I expected it to be. I was thinking it was going to basically be a stunt memoir, but there was a lot more meat on the bone here. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So that's Well Mania, Extreme Adventures in the Search for Wellness by Bridget Delaney. I'll, I'll probably <laughs> still read it. Yeah? Yeah. 
You can text me like all your reaction emojis. Um, Do you want to hear about our next sponsor? I would like that, please. Okay. Our next sponsor this week is Sometimes I Lie by Alice Feeney. Here is the synopsis. My name is Amber Reynolds. There are three things you should know about me. One, I'm in a coma. Two, my husband doesn't love me anymore. Three, sometimes I lie. And that's it. So who knows if those things are true or not. Um, Sometimes I Lie will be your next book obsession after the woman in the window. A.J. Finn himself called it marvelous, a provocative true or false thriller. And... um, Behind Closed Doors, author B.A. Paris said that Sometimes I Lie is gripping. So if you're into a psychological thriller, obviously an admitted unreliable narrator, you want to check this out. It's called Sometimes I Lie by Alice Feeney. It's out now from Flatiron Books, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. So thank you to them for sponsoring. And speaking of lying. Ooh, yes. Look how that is a perfect transition. Yeah, I didn't even do it on purpose. Nicely done. My next pick is Let Me Lie by Claire McIntosh. Uh, She wrote I Let You Go and I See You, both great mysteries, and this is a new mystery. It's about a woman named Anna. She's a young woman in her 20s with a brand new baby, and we learned that uh, about a year ago, her mother took her own life. Her mother took her own life uh, seven months after her father had taken his life. Now, this is inexplicable to her. Uh, Her parents were both very happy. Things were going very well. Uh, and they lose her father, and, and no one can understand it, and then to also lose her mother um, is just unthinkable. And she's, you know, Anna has always felt like this had to have been an accident. Um, there's no way that this could have happened. They both died in the same way. Um, and, you know, people are like, you know, this this happens. And she gets a card on the day of her mother's death, like a year after her mother died, that says, suicide, think again. So she now she's like oh my goodness, someone else, you know, knows something or thinks the same thing that I think, and she contacts the police. Um, And so the story is sort of narrated by Anna, and it's also narrated by the officer that she gets in touch with. He talks about his suspicions, and he's an older uh, officer. He's retired, and he's just working, like, civilian cases and old cases, and he has um, issues at home with his wife, and he discusses that. And it's also narrated by Anna's mother, who is not alive. So that puts a little spin on that sort of supernatural mystery spin, which there seems to be a lot of lately, which I'm really digging. There seems to be a lot of mysteries with, like, supernatural elements in them now. Um, So I'm I'm loving that. So as Anna and the police officer dig deeper into what happened to her parents, it turns out that someone is trying to stop them from finding out the truth. So it's really fun. And I'm just going to say this. It was kind of obvious to me who did it. Like, what happened, or I shouldn't say who did it, but, like, what happened. But it didn't stop me from enjoying the book. It's almost, it almost made it easier because I read so many mysteries, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, the whole time I don't even enjoy it because I'm just sitting there going, is it this? Could it be this? Maybe it's this, you know? And so, like, to be like, this is, I think this is what happened. I'm fairly certain. I'm just going to sit back and be like, I want to see how it gets to where it, it goes, you know? So that was kind of refreshing. Like, it didn't stop me from enjoying the book at all, is what I'm saying. Um, So, again, it's called Let Me Lie, and it's by Claire McIntosh. My next pick this week also has a touch of the supernatural 
perhaps. Uh, It's called Anatomy of a Miracle. It's a novel by Jonathan Miles. He wrote Dear American Airlines and Want Not, which are both novels that I really loved, and they contain like sharp, sharp satire and cultural commentary, and this is the sharpest one yet. Uh, It's about a veteran named Cameron Harris. He's a pretty young man who was rendered paraplegic in uh, a military accident four years ago, and he's been confined to a wheelchair ever since. He lives in Biloxi, Mississippi, with his sister in the neighborhood where they grew up in houses that like barely made it through Hurricane Katrina. And one afternoon in the middle of the Mississippi summer, his sister pushes him down the street to the Busy Bee convenience store. And while she's inside, he's hanging out in the parking lot and magically or miraculously, as the title would have it, he finds that he all of a sudden is standing and walking. Uh, And Nobody knows what to make of this, least of all Cameron Harris. Um, the you know religious folks swoop in and immediately believe that it's a miracle. The Catholic Church starts investigating whether it's you know, what they would consider to be an actual verifiable miracle. Cameron Harris is just sort of like caught up in all of this. He doesn't know if God did this to him. His doctors can't explain it. Um, his sister you know, is just overjoyed that after a lot of tragedies in their family, this has happened to him. And of course, because this is 2018, reality TV comes calling as well. And they just get caught up in the storm of making a show about his life and all this unexpected fame. And the stories go viral on Facebook. And like, you can imagine exactly what would happen if all of a sudden a person who'd been paralyzed for four years started walking and his sister put a a picture of it on Facebook. And then everybody that they knew found out. People start making pilgrimages to the Busy Bee convenience store and hoping that Cameron will pray for them. You see the folks that are involved in the reality TV show. You see the people who own the convenience store. You spend time with his doctors. You see an investigator for the Catholic Church who's traveling around talking to people, trying to figure out if this is a miracle. Like There is a huge cast of characters here, and Jonathan Miles just goes right to like that tension between faith and science, um, the gaps that are left when something that we can't explain or can't explain yet happens. Um, and it's really really sharp satire about just a ton of things. If you liked Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk by Ben Fountain, I think this is right up your alley. Um, There's some big questions too that tie back to issues of identity and community and what it what it would mean if these if miracles were real um, does it even matter is a question that comes up in the book as well um, and the whole thing is framed as if the narrator of it is a journalist who's reporting on the story um, I just tore through it I love Jonathan miles's voice um, it's southern. Like this is a Southern book without being Southern fiction, uh, if you will. And I love Southern fiction, but it feels like that's an important distinction. Um, and just such interesting questions in this one. So that's Anatomy of a Miracle by Jonathan Miles. So happy about a new Jonathan Miles novel. Oh, man. I just love him. Yeah. And I feel like people, he doesn't get talked about enough. No. His, I, his last novel, Want Not, was definitely one of my favorite books of 2014. Yeah. Not to be confused with Jonathan Miles, the historian who had a book about St. Petersburg that came out last week. Like, oh, that's funny, isn't that? They, it's, it's those coincidences are just yeah, amazing well, to me. Like, they're always similar, like around the same time yeah, when those books and come out. I have a real life friend named Jonathan Miles who goes by <laughs> Jay, and I was like, "Hey, did you know you wrote a book?" That's awesome. Yeah, it's weird. It is, but I like weird. 
if you couldn't tell. (laughs) (laughs) What else are we doing here? Speaking of celebrating weird. weird. Now, speaking of weird, uh, my next pick is called Gods, Monsters, and the Lucky Peach by Kelly Robeson. It's a fantastic, futuristic fantasy, sci-fi novel. I loved it. Uh, It takes place in the year 2267. The Earth is recovering from these horrible ecological disasters that have pretty much ruined the planet and sent people underground. And there is a scientist named Min. She is one of the first people to have come back up to the surface. Um, So that makes her kind of a a celebrity, kind of a legend, because not many of those people are still around. Um, And she is working to restore the ecosystems of the planet's rivers. Like, that is her special uh, talent. Not talent. um, What's the word I'm looking for? I told you I had no sleep, right? (laughs) Um, That is her her area of expertise. That's what I want. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Hope you're wearing your helmets. Um, Oh, also, and she has tentacles instead of legs. But hey, you know. Oh, just by the way. It just happens. Um, And so do some other people. So she's going about trying to figure out, like, how to, you know, fix the planet. Um, And there's this sort of shady corporation that wants to pay for a trip back in time uh, send a group of scientists uh, back to the year 2000 to examine the Tigris and the Euphrates so that they can figure out, like, what it, a healthy river, supposedly healthy river, looks like. And she could use this information in her present-day work. So Min is all for it. She's all ready to go. So a team is assembled. You know, they're sent back in time. Of course, there's always, it, like, in the in the movies, you know, there's always, like, the shady corporation guy that has to go along you know, to make decisions because he's, like, protecting the company's interests. And, you know, there are some other people who aren't quite getting along. It's so great. I loved it so much. If you like time travel stories where, you know, it's about, like, the effects that someone going back in time will have on present day or even, like, that time that they're visiting, um, this is a really good one for that. There's also a story of a king and a queen that is told before each chapter um, and the way that that unfolds is amazing and, like, how it ties into the book itself. It's just super smart and fun and great. And tentacles! Yay! <laughs> so, again, it's called God's Monsters and the Lucky Peach by Kelly Robeson. And speaking of tentacles... Oh, look at us! Wow, this is working out really well today. Apart from the spots where I'm messing up. Um, <laughs> our next sponsor is The Merry Spinster by Mallory Ortberg, which has a tentacled monster on the front, which is why I said that. Um, this book is so good. I read it. It's stories. They are fantastic. Uh, like I said, it's called The Merry Spinster, and the synopsis is from Mallory Ortberg comes a collection of darkly mischievous stories based on classic fairy tales, adapted from Mallory's popular Children's Stories Made Horrific series, The Merry Spinster, takes up the trademark wit that endeared Ortberg to readers of both The Toast and Mallory's best-selling debut, Text from Jane Eyre. Sinister and inviting, familiar and alien, all at the same time, The Merry Spinster updates traditional children's stories and fairy tales with elements of psychological horror, emotional clarity, and a keen sense of feminist mischief. I yes. Oh, I was so excited when I got this in the mail. I mean, I, I sat this down is- and read it then. Like, like months for ago. You. Yeah. It's, it's so like fun. Factory ordered for Liberty Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. They are one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. Like, they are so, so smart and so funny. Like, I, I was just thrilled to get this book of stories. So, if you like feminist fairy tales, 
check it out. If you like fairy tales in general, if you like strange stories, if you like cool books, check it out. Again, it's called The Merry Spinster. It's by Mallory Ortberg. And we do just want to note there have been some a couple of interviews with Ortberg out this week in which the news has been revealed that um, Ortberg is transitioning. And so the book is published under the name Mallory Ortberg, but there will be a new name and new pronouns soon. These are the notes that we have, but just in case you're following Mallory Ortberg online, so are we. Um, we care and want to do right by folks and their names and pronouns. And you can find the book under The Mary Spinster by Mallory Ortberg. And it's so good. <laughs> and you should find it because yes. Yes. <laughs> Tentacles. Woo. All right. I, my next one, it's like a hard right turn. So I guess we're just going to do it. <laughs> Um, This was one of my most anticipated books of the year, and then I couldn't get an early copy of it, so I have just finally finished listening to it on audio. It's When They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir by Patrice Kahn Colors. And this was, I was so looking forward to this book, and then it over-delivered. It was so much more than I expected it to be, because I was thinking I was just going to get a memoir about the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement. But you really get Patrice Kahn Colors' whole life, and that includes some really phenomenal phenomenal and deep and difficult reflections on poverty, on the big picture of what it means to be black in America, including things like mass incarceration, what the war on drugs and the racist policies that were written about gangs in the 90s did to keep especially young black men uh, in prison from very young ages, and how this all leads up to the moment in which the Black Lives Matter movement is born. There's a lot of um, political and activist theory that comes into the book. It's not written in like an academic way at all, but you're going to learn a lot about the ways that institutional racism is structured. If you've been kind of like, what is institutional racism and what are policies that are racist? She does a really great job of laying out some examples of those. Um, And it's just like, this is just an important book if you're thinking about the contemporary, like the current moment and where we are in a movement for racial equality. Uh, It's, it's really phenomenal and important. And just so much, like, I appreciate that they called it a Black Lives Matter memoir. I think probably because her name doesn't have huge recognition if you're not someone who's been following the movement, especially online. But that also makes the book seem narrower um, than it is because it's really not just about the movement right now. It's about all of the things that led up to this movement and then also the particular life experiences that led Patrice Concolors and her co-author Asha Bendele to be the people who could you know, contribute to launching this movement and taking it wide and then telling this story. There's a foreword by Angela Davis that's really wonderful. Um, Again, I listen to it on audio and Con Colors reads the book herself and you can just feel the emotion coming through when she's telling stories about her life and about what led to the creation of Black Lives Matter. Um, If you have been reading, you know, This Will Be My Undoing and Ijeoma Oluo's So You Want to Talk About Race and I I reread Angela Davis's Freedom is a Constant Struggle a year or so ago. If those are all in your wheelhouse, this is in your wheelhouse as well, and you should pick it up. Again, it's called When They Call You a Terrorist, and that comes from the fact that the founders of Black Lives Matter were referred to as terrorists. Um, So the book also sort of deconstructs like how easily we call Black people terrorists or people of color terrorists for acts that are really not terrorist acts, um, and how loathe and slow our society is to apply that same label to white people, what white supremacy does to the way that we perceive terrorism and the threats to our culture. Um, So again, When They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir by Patrice Kahn Colors. Fantastic. So good. I don't don't know anyone who read it before it came out. Like, I tried to go to Galley 
So don't feel bad. Yeah, I don't feel bad. I'm glad that I got to it. And actually, I think it was probably a better experience on audio. It's just really perfect for that. Someday I'll listen to an audio book. <laughs> Someday. I can't sit still for that long because what I do is read books. So like when I can't sit still and read a book, like then it's, you know, I can't pay attention. And then it's just, it's crazy. So um, my last pick is a book that came out last week uh, that it was one of those great things where it was expiring off my laptop and I was like, oh, I want to read this. And it turned out to be so delightful. It's fantastic. It's called Would You Rather? A Memoir of Growing Up and Coming Out by Katie Heaney. She wrote a book five years ago called uh, Never Have I Ever, which came out in when she was like 25 or 26 about how she had never had a relationship. She had never dated. Um, she was basically like, you know, she's like, I'm a 25-year-old virgin. And now, like five years later, she's written this book about how she didn't meet the right guy. She met the right girl. And what it meant for her to, like, at 28, she realized that she was gay. And these essays in the book are, are just really funny and really heartfelt stories about um, what, it, what it felt like for her to, to realize that. Um, she went to a therapist and, you know, like, she, she was like, I don't know. She talks about, like, switching her apps on Tinder from, like, looking for men to looking to women. And, like, going back and forth, like, being like, oh, no, I can't, you know, like... Um, and, and, like, she met, like, the perfect woman, like, a week after she decided she was going to date women instead of men. So she's like, I don't have, like, the usual story about, you know, meeting the right person. Um, and they've been together for years now. But it's just, it's so fantastic. It's, you know, it's, she's very honest and open about things. She talks about, like, she has this little feeling of, like, how she let some people down because she received a lot of letters from from women when her first book came out saying, you know, I'm in the same situation and thank you for talking about this and... You know, and she was, you know, people still send her emails saying, you know, like, have you met the right man? And she's like, I don't know what to say to them. Um, and she also talks about her love of Harry Styles, which I appreciated because <laughs> she talks a lot about, like, celebrity and, like, how, you know, she's obsessed. She, like, she was talking about how, like, she was, like, crazy about Harry Styles and had posters and calendars and, like, went to see him outside his hotel one time and, like, all this stuff. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, that would be me. Like, I would, I appreciate, like, people who can understand, like, what that's like when you're in, it's like, enamored by a celebrity. It's so much fun. And it's just, she's just so great. And I really, really enjoyed it. Also, she talks about um, how she makes the bed while her girlfriend is still in it. And <laughs> I make the bed while my boyfriend is still in it. It drives him crazy. I cannot stop. So I tweeted at her. I was like, thank you for including this thing about, you know, making the bed. And she tweeted back, she's like, bed-making solidarity. So I was like, yeah, someone else, I could relate to that, too. Like, thank you. So it's just it was just really fun and nice. And, you know, it's about, you know, waiting for love or finding love or, you know, it's you could do, you know, whatever you want. It's just so good. So, again, it's called Would You Rather, a memoir of growing up and coming out, and it's by Katie Heaney. That's been on my list for a while. I'm glad that you got to it. Yeah, I love that game of like, this is going to expire. I have to read it right now. And then being so surprised by like how fantastic it was. And I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't let that get away. Such a good moment. Yeah. Um, 
So my next pick this week is also from last week. I'm not done reading it yet. I've been trying to finish it, um, but it's amazing. It's um, a collection of short stories called Away Land by Ramona Ossibel. She wrote a novel called Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty that I loved a couple of years ago. And this collection of stories, there's 11 of them, sort of span the globe and a variety of characters looking for things that they've lost, looking for new experiences. One of the stories actually takes place at the gates of heaven. So there's like reality and mythology and people wrestling with issues that you wrestle with in short stories about real life, but also things like a person who's looking for love on the internet, but it turns out to be more difficult because that person is Cyclops um, or that being, I guess, <laughs> is Cyclops. Um, it's really insightful and tender and just fun to read. I love these stories. Um, I like Ramona Ossibel's mind and it's interesting to see her do something different uh, than what she did in Sons and Daughters of Ease and Plenty. So I'm looking forward to tucking in with that on the rest of this snowy day. Again, that's Awayland stories by Ramona Ossibel. She's so rad. I like her. I wish that she could do more novels too. Actually, can we just like make a list of people that we would like to have write more books and get on that? <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to say those things anymore. Okay. We're supposed to just sit on our hands and be patient. I mean, George R.R. R. Martin had to quit his blog because things got too stressful and I wouldn't want to do that to someone else. So. There's, there's a great, I think I mentioned it before, there's a great essay that Neil Gaiman wrote several years ago and people started being like, where's the winds of winter? Called uh, George R.R. R. Martin is not your bitch. <laughs> which was yes. really fantastic and that was I like because I've never been I've never like said to like somebody like oh my god where's your book give it to me I want to be like oh, but yeah, also no, I never is... considered like you know maybe don't say those things out loud to people too be like right like I'm it? just I'm longing but yeah. I'm, I'm not de- yeah. demanding I wouldn't do that yeah we're not de- there's enough there's enough books in the world I'm gonna be busy for a while mm-hmm yeah. All right. So those are our new books this week. What are you going to read next? Uh, another one of my favorite Jonathans. I just got Lawn Boy by Jonathan Ooh, Evison, yes! which I'm very excited about. We get um, to trot out our story about chasing him around BEA. Yes. I was going to say, I, I, if you remember, I, I did follow him around BEA one time with his little pork pie hat, trying to work up the courage to talk to him. But I did not. I failed, which instead just makes us like a really creepy story. <laughs> He's just so lovely. That's what makes it sad is that you didn't talk to him. I'm afraid of people. But he wrote The Revised Fundamentals of Caregiving and what else? Uh, this is Your Life, oh, Harriet Chance. Which, man, I just loved that one. West of Here, All About mm-hmm. Lulu. He's great. So I kind of like put him in the category with Jonathan Miles and Jonathan Tropper and then there's Jonathan Evison. Like they're they're very similar to me in my mind and I love them all, so... I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Where do you There read? are literary Jonathans that we love, and then there's literary Jonathans that will never be mentioned on this show. That's, I know, and like, it turns out that I'm super old, and <laughs> my Instagram name and my blog name, which is Friends and Comes Alive, 95% of the people who see that think it's because of my love of Jonathan Franzen. <laughs> and instead, it was just like a literary reference about how books rock based on, you know, Frampton Comes Alive, which was a, <laughs> like the biggest selling album of the 70s when I was negative 23. But it was so like, it's not because I love Jonathan Franzen. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint <laughs> people who think that or are excited about that, but... Do you ever think about changing it? No, I love it. I like People are like... People who know, they're like, that's a really hilarious name. But oh, often... it's like a nice little shibboleth kind of test. Yeah, and it's like, books rock, you know? Like, that's that's the whole joke. Yeah. But, like, people will, like, link, like, articles about Jonathan Franzen 
to me or like <laughs> send me articles or like tag me and things and I'm like yeah oh you're new here I mean he was he I've met him a couple times he was very very nice very nice man you know so I'm not gonna I'm not saying anything about that but like it's not because I'm like madly crazy about Jonathan Franzen. Not the secret president so, of the Jonathan Franzen. There you have it. Now all those people at home who were like writing that email like with their burning question, like they're like, oh well, that's it. I have no more questions. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. <laughs> so what are you gonna read next? I think I'm gonna read a really big lunch by Jim Harrison. He Ooh. was just an incredible writer, a really singular voice, and he loved to write about food and drink. And this is a collection of essays that begin in 1981 and run up through the mid 2000s. Um, I picked it up last time I was up in Portland, Maine, when we were hanging out. Um, at, it's true. My DNA might be on that book. It might uh, at print, a bookstore. And um, I was just in a mood for some food writing. And I don't know, the winter is like never ending. I just can't stay out of the kitchen. I'm cooking a ton and reading other people thinking about food is really doing it for me. So that's going to be my next pick. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. We made it. We didn't actually have to put the helmet on. Oh, I have mine on. I have three. I have three on. Three helmets. I would like to see a picture of this. Uh, so thank you to our sponsors this week. Don't forget to go to bookriot.com slash insiders to join up and hang out with us and all the other insiders all over the internet and in the new release index and the, the subscriber only Slack channel to Sometimes I Lie and to The Mary Spinster. You can check out links to both of those books in the show notes or pick them up wherever books are sold. If you have something to say to us or a burning question for our three year anniversary coming up soon, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you have a minute to rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts, that is the single best way that you can help us by helping other people to find the show. And then, you know, we get to keep the lights on. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. In, in the meantime... meantime Tentacles. Happy reading. <laughs>